everyone, and welcome to another episode of Turn Left. I am your host, Indiana's own Dana Black, coming to you live, yes, all the way live from Black Pearl Studios, where we talk about Indiana politics from the left side of things. So you thought that train derailment was in Ohio, and it had nothing to do with Indiana. You thought you skated and skirted around a disaster that was preventable. You thought, Indiana, that you were whew, wiping your brow because you recognize how close New Palestine, Ohio, is to the border of Indiana with all that toxic waste and those toxic chemicals that are causing respiratory issues and coughing fits and red eyes and all the things that are happening to rural Ohio. You thought, you thought you were safe. Turns out you are not. Remember how I always tell y'all I love my state and I talk about all the things that I love about it. I talk about, you know, how Lake Michigan looks really beautiful and how if you drive down in Switzerland County right when the sun is setting, you'll get this amazing view of the sun setting over um, the Ohio River. Talk about being in Brown County and hanging out and getting a cabin and how wonderful and peaceful it is. Or just hanging out downtown Indianapolis and there's just so many things to do, so many conventions that are happening. And I, told, I tell y'all, I love Indiana. And the thing of it is, I just wish people would stop treating it like a trash can. I've been saying that for years. And here is a prime example of people using Indiana like a trash can. So the landfill folks uh, had a meeting this week, and the meeting was hosted by Heritage Environmental Services, which operates a licensed hazardous waste landfill in rural Putnam County between the small communities of Rochdale and Russellville. The facility is about 40 miles west of Indianapolis, was selected by the U.S. Environment Protection Agency to receive some of the hazardous material from the February 3rd train derailment in East Palestine, Ohio. Trucks hauling the toxic material began arriving at the landfill on Tuesday, despite concerns expressed by Governor Holcomb and Mike Braun. Okay, so they, they, you know, a broke clock is right twice a day. That's all I'm saying. One major concern was the possibility toxic chemicals from the landfill will leak into the groundwater and nearby Big Raccoon Creek. Some said they feared the waste would contaminate an area aquifer that feeds local wells. Others wondered about the landfill's safety records because apparently this particular landfill has had some violations. Now listen, I am not going to rip on the EPA. I am not going to lick, lip, rip on the current administration because I recognize they've got to put that toxic waste somewhere. What I am upset about is that the previous administration removed regulations that could have helped prevent this type of accident. But because the train company wanted to maximize their profits, your drinking water be damned. Your health be damned. They don't care. And, th and this is, I want y'all to understand, ain't no black folks in East Palestine. I mean, Tucker Carlson tried to tell you that this particular train derailment was an attack on white people. I need him to stop tripping and understand it's, attack, it's an attack on Americans. It just so happened in this particular instance that that train derailed in East Palestine, Ohio, but those train tracks run through all types of, of urban areas. And we know they don't go through suburban areas. Those communities are pretty safe from mass transit, but those of us in urban areas and those of us who live in rural areas, we're getting the toxic waste and people around the country still treat Indiana like a trash can. I'm not really sure 
what the remedy for this is. It's got to go somewhere, and I get that. But why? When we have more coal ash pits than anybody else, we have more super polluters than anybody else, we have some of the worst air quality, we have some of the worst water quality, we have lead pipes all over. We have so many things that are infrastructurally wrong with Indiana. Why do we have to add one more thing on top of it? I'm just saying. So maybe, maybe those folks in uh, rural Ohio and those in rural Indiana who uh, live by the landfill will stop voting against their interests and, and their livelihood and their lives because these folks will kill you for a dollar and do not even care about it. I need you to understand. They will kill you slowly and have generational impact on your family and your future for a dollar. Something we need to be paying attention to. But back to the state house, because you know that's where I live. And unfortunately, there are a lot of bills that are going through the state house that attack one of my many demographics. And I am personally offended that my tax dollars are being used for salaries for people who are writing legislation that, that that's very harmful to my communities. Let's talk about SB 12 first authored by Senator Jim Tomes out of uh, Wadesville. So under current law, schools are eligible for defense to criminal persecution for accusations of dis disseminating material or, or performances harmful to minors, okay? At present, if, say, it's in uh, the bluest eye or it's in um, something fabulous that Toni Morrison wrote and there happens to be a unpleasant scene in the book, the, the defense could be that we're taking the totality of the book, not just one line or one sentence or one paragraph in the book. And that could be a defense. But... SB 12 establishes a procedure that will allow parents to submit complaints about inappropriate materials. And should it pass, teachers, school librarians, and other school employees could be charged with a level six felony which carries a maximum penalty of 2.5 years in prison and a $10,000 fine. I need y'all to hear me on this. Inappropriate material. Well, first of all, what is that? What's inappropriate? I think it's inappropriate that I learn more about Greek mythology than I do African-American history. Is, does that count? Does that count? Oh, no, probably not. So what the, the language in the bill is very vague. Now, they did say they gave two points for the allegations, the dissemina dissemination of materials harmful to minors and a performance harmful to minors. So I need my my suburban history teachers who every now and then want to pretend that they're at Connor Prairie and they want to reenact what it's like to have people enslaved and then pick out that one black child to be the enslaved. I'm going to need you to understand that's inappropriate to me. I don't want to hear it. But I I'm giving you these extreme examples because of this. First of all, it's in a library, and what better way for a kid to get a nuanced view of the material than being in a place where there are educators? Obviously, something that a lot of our legislators didn't have, okay? And now we're taking an industry, a section of, of employees in Indiana, where we're struggling to hold on to mind you, and say, we're going to turn you into a felon based on a book that's in a library. Now, they already passed the book ban, a bill out of the Senate 
We're going to ban books because we know how well that works in history. Again, some of these clowns in the state house obviously do not understand the nuances of human behavior or otherwise they wouldn't keep trying to do the same stupid idiotic thing like ban books. It doesn't work. And now you want to ban books in the middle of the information age. My cousin just sent me an email. He is on the, the, the attorney team that is bringing the lawsuit against all the social media networks. And it was heard in front of the Supreme Court. So we know that books are not the only place to get the material. There's more harmful material on these platforms that we use. Yes, and I'm, I'm a constant user. I get it. But I, my, I use my powers for good. I'm just saying. But we're criminalizing librarians, y'all. The librarian. I don't know how old y'all are, but y'all remember the Dewey Decimal System and the card catalog and the, the, the librarian was the nicest person in the school. Now we're going to turn them into felons? This is ridiculous. SB 12 is awful. The authors, James Tomes, Senator Blake Droit of Goshen, and Senator Taylor, Tyler Johnson of Leo. Give them a call, y'all. Call them up. Let them know you are not happy with any of this. Get in their business and let them know you, you can't do this. Stop trying to ban books. Stop trying to censor people and stop trying to criminalize teachers and librarians when we don't have enough of them as it is. Cut it out. And finally, because I want to get to my guest tonight because I know he feels like I feel about a lot of things. SB 350. So let me give you a little backstory. One pastor's feud with the city of West Lafayette over a withdrawn ordinance that would have banned unlicensed counselors from conducting anti-gay conversion therapy has gone statewide in Senate Bill 350. The Statehouse Chronicle reports the bill initially would have blo blocked local units of government from implementing such bans on counseling and behavioral health services. But... It's been broadened in amendments. It would now stop local governments from regulating the performance of any kind of service if it is subject to state licensure or specifically exempt. As they say, the genesis of the bill is to make sure that local political subdivisions don't regulate the state sanctions, says the bill's author, Jeff Ratz of Richmond. See, so much for local control. So so much for that. I mean, I don't I, I don't understand their arguments half the time. First, they say they want government out your business, but then they be all up in your business. Now, as a local ordinance, if you want to say I don't want plastic bags in my city, you should be able to pass that ordinance. But it's something as serious as perceived or contrived con conversion therapy, which does nothing but cause more mental and emotional anguish on someone because you're trying to convince them that they are not who they are. And these people are not licensed. These people don't have the credentials to deal with behavioral science. And you want to say it's okay to just let them run wild willy nilly with their religious understanding. And oh, how many religions do we have y'all? How many? How many do we have? How many denominations within one religion? Who's right? But you want to have people running around traumatizing young people thinking that they can be converted from gay to straight. Nobody chooses to be gay. It's like you didn't choose to be straight. I didn't wake up one day and say, you know, being a left-handed black woman just ain't enough oppression for me. I need some more. That did not happen. And the idea that local government can't set regulations on how certain services should be handled is ridiculous. That means the state is going to what? They're going to do all the food and, and the restaurant inspections? Is that what they're going to do? They're going to do all the massage parlor inspections? Is that what's happening? See, this is way, this is overreach. And the folks in the state house have made Indiana... And, and because we're not Florida and Texas and one of those bigger states, people aren't paying attention to us on the national level. So they don't realize how over six million Americans are being treated like crap. 
Nobody's paying attention. Nobody's raising the red flag like, oh, my God, this is happening. But Indiana's own is. I'm talking about it. So let's go ahead and talk to my guest. You guys know him as the NPR voice of the Indiana Democratic Party, because I'm the loud mouth of the party. He's the NPR voice. Y'all give it up to our state party chair all the way from South Bend, Indiana, representing way up north. My guy, Mike Schmuel. Mike, welcome to the show. Good evening, Dana. How are you? I am good. I'm I'm hot under the collar. I'm not going to lie to you. I mean, my goodness, I, I don't know if I can take any more of the crazy that's happening in that state house. What say? I didn't even talk about what's happened on the House side. I was on the Senate side. Bruh, talk to us about what's happening in that state house and the, and the, the issues that you are seeing, the ones that I didn't even talk about. Well, when uh, when you're going through your monologue, Dana, I was sort of thinking that the Republican supermajority needs to spend a lot less time talking about private parts and a lot more time working on real public policy for Hoosiers. Absolutely. <laughs> I think that that is very clear. Um, and we see the news every day and what they're trying to focus on. And um, I just think that that is so out of step with what the average Hoosier, um, you know, kid, uh, parent, worker, uh, senior citizen, uh, anybody, a visitor to our state is what they're thinking about. And the Republicans want to clamp onto this. They want to, they just want to have culture wars, uh, to have culture wars. Um, they just want to focus on that like a dog with a bone over and over and over yeah. again. Really what it does, which is really sad, um, and, and heartbreaking is it, is it targets and it hurts the most vulnerable, uh, in our state. Absolutely. Um, and so, you know, you mentioned those two bills. I'll just mention a couple other ones, but then I do want to go um, and talk about maybe some positive things that are happening because of Democrats. But I love um, it. You look at school choice, um, uh, giving more money to uh, voucher system, um, and some folks, uh, even within our party, land on different sides of that. But the key is, you know, public dollars going to a public school. There's a lot of scrutiny there. There's a lot of oversight there public dollars going into a charter system, I don't see a lot of scrutiny there. I don't see a lot of oversight there. I think that's something that that we talk about a lot at the party. Um, the other thing is access to the ballot. Um, we talked about it, you and I did a number of times uh, last year, but Diego Morales, um, newsflash folks, uh, I think we all know on, on our side, <laughs> uh, he's doing what he said he would do, which is just awful um, and making it harder for for Hoosiers to vote. Mm -hmm. So the latest thing that has moved, um, I believe from the House that's going now into the Senate on Monday is uh, an election bill that would really make it more difficult for people to fill out an absentee ballot uh, application to get a ballot mailed to their home. So, um, and it doesn't just limit that, it also limits traveling boards um, and, and folks who use that service. So think about people who are disabled. Think about people who uh, live in a nursing home or a retirement community. Um, think about, you know, a, a little old lady or an elderly couple uh, sitting at home who find the convenience in voting um, from home. It hurts those folks. Yep. Um, and that's just like, if you and I walk down the street and, and um, you know, went into a diner, went into a restaurant, went into a bar and asked and told people about this, they'd be like, that's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. That's, you know, um, and yet, uh, and yet it gets pushed through, um, because they're working over here with shiny objects and then just ramming other things through, uh, thinking that we're not looking. So it's really disheartening, um, to say the least. Yeah. I will say, yeah, I, I will well, say Representative Wesco um, is the yeah. author of, of that particular bill. Um, right. And he's a young cat. Like he's what in, he was the youngest person to be elected into um, the state house. He doesn't even does. Do you even think some an author of that kind of bill even even thinks about what it is to be elderly, what it is to be disabled? And I'm not saying that young people don't. Please understand, I'm not saying that. That's not what I'm saying. But when but right. the, there's nuances that in writing such a bill because you want to restrict access to the ballot box, which you're saying you're not. And in fact, I'm glad you brought that up because. 
Yeah. He actually was he his argument for this bill was the exact opposite argument he had for another bill. Uh, I believe it was Senator uh, uh, Representative Delaney asked, well, how many times have we had, you know, voter fraud? And it was and Wesco was like, oh, I just want to secure it up. But then on another <laughs> bill that Ed Delaney right. had offered an amendment, he literally said, well, how many times has this happened? Wait a minute. Mr. Wesco, some of us are watching these things every day. I'm sorry. I just had to throw that out there because he and he's a little condescending fellow. I didn't like the way he talked to Representative Pryor. I'm still upset about that. But go ahead. Yeah. Well, well, he's up. He's up from my neck of the woods. He's one county over. Maybe I should go over and, and have a chat with him, have you, coffee with him. You really should. <laughs> um, but I, yeah, I think I think a lot of these things are are, are national playbook. I think I think it's also. Um, you know, Democrats, but just Hoosiers in general, take party out of it. Uh, there's a convenience to voting mm-hmm. uh, by mail. There's a convenience to voting. I think we can all agree as well, voting early in person um, for a month uh, in the run up to election day. Um, there should be more opportunities to vote. Um, and I would even go so far as to say we should have extended hours to vote. Six to six is is one of the more conservative uh, voting times mm-hmm. in the United States. We're, we're the first state really that kind of closes up 6 p.m. Eastern time for the majority of our counties for yeah. a major election. Um, you know, for working folks, for for parents, um, for, for folks who want to get that in after work, if they're working a traditional schedule, that's really hard. And so, um, you know, there should be reform around this. Um, but again, I think we know they, they sort of pick their voters back to back gerrymanders two decades running, um, you know, this is just another move to limit uh, who has a voice, to yep. limit uh, who votes for them. Um, and it's, and it's, um, it's, it's incredibly uh, disappointing um, Absolutely. to live that way. But, but I will say, um, <laughs> there's a positive, positive somewhere. <laughs> we're, we're Democrats. We have to be positive. We have to be hopeful. Um, you know, the, the Democrats are delivering, I mean, nationally and um, even in the state house, even with the supermajority. And so I think the one of the biggest headlines today, Dana, is um, the price of insulin. Yes, um, go, being, Lily. Being capped, being capped. And so this was obviously something that came out of the Inflation Reduction Act um, that President Biden signed um, last year. Um, but today and yesterday, it's become you know huge news in the Hoosier state because Eli Lilly has agreed to do that with their um, with their product. And so um, I, I looked at a fact sheet that I just got a little bit ago uh, that breaks this down into in, um, by state. Mm-hmm. Indiana is pretty high when it comes to adults over eighteen uh, with diabetes. It's like eleven point two percent of our population. Um, that's six hundred thousand. Hoosiers, wow. um, that um, that will be impacted by this. That's real. Um, that's real life changing um, and life helping uh, policy. Um, and Democrats did that. Joe Biden did that. Uh, Andre Carson and Frank Burban did that. And I think that we need to, uh, to to shout that from the from the mountaintops. Absolutely, Republicans did not. Republicans no. did not support that. And so um, that's something that that I think we all have to celebrate. Um, and then you look at the state house, um, Maureen Bauer, who's my representative. Shout out to Maureen Bauer. Um, you know she's pushed through a bill that would help firefighters uh, and their health. Earl Harris has made um, modifications to the 21st Century Scholars Program. Justin Moed has pushed through something that would help uh, tenants, uh, tenants' rights. Uh, during COVID, we all saw, um, you know, evictions and people really struggling to make ends meet. Justin Moed um, has sponsored a bill on that front. Mitch Gore, uh, a law enforcement official, uh, pushing through a bill on modifications to machine guns. Um, we know how deadly that those mm-hmm. things are um, in American communities. And Shelly Yoder, shout out to to Shelly Yoder, my former one of my former bosses. Um, she's pushed a bill through on. Uh, reverse contraception longer term uh, through the Senate. And so, you know, these are these are wins and these are Democrats that are that are spearheading them in the state house. And so um, we should also acknowledge their work and celebrate their work. And I will say, Dana, before I toss it back to you, is is we picked up one seat in the state house uh, in November. Uh, Victoria Garcia Wilburn uh, was added as as um, well as um, uh, Kyle up in uh, uh-huh. Kyle Miller. Wayne. Yep. 
Kyle Miller up in Fort Wayne. We lost Terry Austin, unfortunately. Um, but if we pick up just a few more uh, state house seats, which I think we can in 2024, we can start to put in what I like to call kind of speed bumps uh, in those committees that when, when people are coming to committees with some of these wacky out of the mainstream ideas, that there's an additional Democrat on some of these committees and we can start to say, you know what, that's just not what people are talking about. We're not gonna vote this through to the full body. Uh, and that's, I think, where we can really start to leverage um, you know, more meaningful change in Indiana. I, I agree with you 100% because one of the things uh, when I was watching uh, the testimony against SB 480, um, yeah. there, the, that was the the basically taking away parental rights on medical decisions for your trans children. Call it whatever you want, but that's what it does. Um, and then I also watched, there was another one. Uh, there's, there's so many of them out there, but uh, I watched the energy. Uh, I didn't get to go to the state house because... I got a day job, but I watched the energy and I saw how worked up folks are about these bills. And the one thing that I said is I, I get it. We're supposed to show up at the state house. Yes, we are. But man, if we had that same energy in May and in November, <laughs> we could prevent, we could really prevent us having to come and, and I'm not even going to say to storm the Capitol because that's not what we do. We don't storm capitals. That's the other no. side. We, we peacefully protest very loudly. <laughs> but mm -hmm. one of the things that people, they don't really understand is what, why the party? What, 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 what do I need to do? I mean, how, how do we make this happen? There's no way possible that the state party could take care of every candidate that is on the ballot, that is just logistically, financially impossible. And some people have this misconception that if I run for office or I get involved, that the state party is going to swoop down like Superman <laughs> and save my campaign and they're going to give me right. my... I, I, let's, let's outline for folks, because we just met, you mentioned 2024, we could pick up some seats. I talked about how we need to get the energy in May and November, but talk about the function of the state party in all of this, because I don't think people really understand. Sure. No, that's a, that's a great question, Dana. Um, and I, I will say that uh, very regularly candidates um, file for office and then they call me or email me or text me and say, all right, where's all my money so I can win? You know, <laughs> you know, unfortunately, that's not how it works. <laughs> um, you know, but but what the analogy that I use is is something that I'll borrow from a friend of mine and folks folks listening and tuning in might might know his name, but it's Ben Wickler. He's the chair of Wisconsin, um, and um, he's a very very uh, respected chair uh, around the country. And obviously, Wisconsin is a midwestern state. Um, you know, they have a governor, uh, Tony Evers. Um, they have a split. Um, Senate. Uh, they're a presidential battleground. Right now, they have a state Supreme Court race that's going on uh, right now. Um, and so they have a lot of resources. But but he uses a great analogy, which I, which I love, which is state parties build the road, uh, but candidates are responsible for driving their cars on it. There you, know? you go. Um, and so, oh, my, I, my little light went out here. Give me one second. <laughs> It's all good. At uh -oh. least, you, hey, but see, yeah. at least, you know, you're not like me. If you was extra melanated <laughs> like me, all they'd be seeing is teeth right now. That's all I'm saying. No, it's all good. <laughs> um, but uh, it'll just be NPR, Mike. It'll be a little darker. <laughs> but, um, but uh, you know, that's really the the core work of the state party is, is infrastructure. And that is um, making sure that we have trainings, uh, making sure that we can push out uh, messages for media, uh, making sure that we're raising money uh, so we can have events, uh, so we can congregate, so we can come together. Um, uh, a lot of it is built around conventions, mm -hmm. um, and things like that, that are really essential for nominating things per Indiana state law. So we had our convention last year, obviously, uh, where we nominated um, an all-woman all ticket for the mm -hmm. first time mm -hmm. state offices in Indiana history, which is really cool. Um, and then next year, 24, we'll have another state convention where we select delegates who go to the national uh, DNC. So a lot of it's kind of organizational, but I will say a lot of it's also programmatic. And so, um, you know, we've, we've grown the budget, um, almost doubled the budget. 
Uh, we're expanding the team. Uh, we're hiring as well. So folks want to go on indems.org and, and check out um, any of the available opportunities, please you know, check out that website uh, and log on uh, and apply. Uh, we want to grow our team. Um, to give you an example, we have about eight staff right now, Dana. Uh, a, a state like Wisconsin, they just finished their election. I think they have 70 or 80 right wow. now. Wow. Wow. And that is and that is after the election. So, you know, it's a very large operation. And so, you know, we're, we're a little more modest as Hoosiers, but we're building ourselves up uh, to get stronger. And, and programmatically, I'd say two major things are on my um, radar for, well, really three for this, <laughs> and then I'm gonna keep going, but there's really probably three that are on um, the radar for this year. Um, one is year-round organizing. That's something that state parties do really effectively uh, across the country, bigger states. And so we have a, um, a regional organizer in Northern Indiana and Central Indiana, we're hiring for Southern Indiana. Um, and those are folks that will work with county parties, work with activists, work with candidates, recruit volunteers, help with voter registration. Uh, and they'll do that all year round, not just close to the election. So, you know, that's really exciting. Um, the other thing is more resources for county parties. And so I have, um, I've really appealed to the DNC and I've appealed to other places to, to see if we can do some things that beef up kind of rural America and, and rural counties um, in Indiana. Um, so, so people don't feel like they're kind of the lone Democrat <laughs> right, in, right. in their town. Um, and I also think that we got to be smart about that. I don't think it can be like, you know, big national message and all that stuff um, that, that's coming in kind of right on their head all the time, because that's what they're hearing all the time. All the time. Trump and, and um, you know, anger and just the us versus them nature of our politics in this day and age. So that's number two is really doing that with, with trainings and things mm -hmm. like that in every congressional district in Indiana, which leads me to the third thing, which is, which is really cool. And I think we can talk about this as well is, is this year focusing on the local. Right. Local ratings. This is the municipal year for Indiana. So cities and towns, mayors, city council, clerk, treasurers, all those races. Um, really great races for us to make inroads with voters um, because you can't gerrymander a city. <laughs> right? Well, you, you um, can if you're Indianapolis. Well, you can gerrymander city council districts, but but maybe not for mayor. Or not city for mayor, wide. yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, you can annex, but you got to be obviously in office oh. to do that. But um oh. But uh, but 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 what I'm getting at there is these are local races, mm -hmm. um, local issues, local people. Um, it's a little bit more community first as it is party first. Mm -hmm. And so I think that it's a really good opportunity for our party to to have really good conversations with Hoosier voters. And I love that idea because uh, I remember, you know, people often ask, well, you know, what can I do? How can I get involved? And yeah. I always tell them. And before you ask someone for something, go offer them something. Go go turn yeah. yourself into a servant. Find out what they need. Ask them, what do you need from me? And then provide it once you get the answer, if you are able to. And and yeah. typically it's not something, it's not really extraordinary. A lot of times I just want some information on how to solve a problem. And yeah. if you can just point them in the right direction and, and you start to build those relationships. I mean, guys, people think that you got to have like this 18 point plan. No, just go talk to your freaking neighbor. Like I, yeah. I, I, I get frustrated when I, when I drive um, to a rural town in Indiana, which I love doing. Don't that the frustration isn't going there. The frustration is that you've asked me to go to a, a county where you know I am going to increase the minority population by a hundred percent. I show yeah. up and I'm confident in showing up into this in this town, but you're afraid to go talk to your neighbor. Yeah. I yeah. I, I, I take issue with that because it's like, how would you ever get them to see the good work that we're doing if you don't actually talk to them. And yeah. I don't just mean the people that look like you. I go into some communities and um, there's a huge, a much bigger Hispanic population than they think. And they haven't invited them to a meeting. They haven't invited them to a, a cookout or nothing. Right. And you got to do those things. Big time. And, and for folks who 
folks who tell me or say, you know, oh, Democrats can never win in these places and it's it's uh, overlooked, it's flyover country, all that kind of stuff. I mean, there are there are there are examples that refute that and push back against that narrative. I mean, you and I probably both know Clint Lamb, uh, Dana, who's the mayor of Sullivan, Indiana. Um, Clint is is not running for re-election. Um, he's that finishing saddens his, me. He's finishing up his third term. Um, Clint is awesome, and he's been a great mayor, hometown boy. Uh, he's a Democrat. And um, just to give you a sense of the stark uh, percentages there, you know, he wins re-election as mayor um, really, really high percentages, 70s or 80s. Um, you know, and then you fast forward to a presidential year, Donald Trump, uh, has won Sullivan um, by those same percentages. Wow! <laughs> so there is a big yeah. chunk of voters in um, in in the city that that are voting for both of them, yeah, um, and for different reasons. Uh, and so, you know, he is he is a great um, public servant and somebody who is constantly just communicating with with people in his in his in his city. Uh, and that's you know true public service is is that kind of communication where it's not just you know, I'm running for this and here's what you should do and you should vote for me. It's a two-way street. Uh, it's a dialogue and mm -hmm. he's built a really great partnership with, with the community there. Yeah, and I'm really sad that he's stepping away, but I understand he's got, you know, he can't do it. I guess he can't do it forever, but he really could, but I guess he can't, <laughs> but he really could. Uh, <laughs> and one he of the things, yeah, I was, I was with him. Um, I, I'm not sure if it was uh, an AIM conference or something with Nicole. I don't think it was yeah. a party thing, but I was doing something with Nicole. And, you know, we were talking to these, these mayors and these democratic mayors in red places. And yeah. they said, you know, one of the things that we need to do is stop placating the boogeyman. Right. Um, Cause that's what they're looking. They're looking for the boogeyman. And so we sometimes dive headlong into um, the, whatever that boogeyman is. And, and yeah. his thing was, let's just, if we just stick to the issues, if we just stick to what people really need to improve their lives, which is, you know, even I, I ain't gonna lie. I gotta, I'm trying to get people to watch the show. So I'm gonna talk about the hot topics, right? <laughs> but it's, but when you're down there in the local level, talk about yeah. those potholes, talk about the infrastructure, oh, yeah. talk about, you know, where the school bus drops the kid off at. I mean, all of that stuff. Yeah. Big you know? time. And, and I'll, I'll say even, um, these are these are wins that we had um, in November that that are kind of overlooked because we're yeah. so focused on maybe Congress and Senate and and the bigger races. But um, there are th uh, there were two Democratic, at least to my knowledge, um, Democratic pickups in sheriff uh, races in Indiana and places that you might not think. So Tipton County, which okay. is just north okay. of Hamilton County, yeah, yeah. Uh, has, has a Democratic sheriff, Matt Tebby. Um, who won his election in November. Uh, okay. And Noah Robinson is the new sheriff of Vanderburg County, where Evansville is. Nice. Um, and he ran a, a great campaign. Um, but they join um, some other Democratic sheriffs that are that are out there. Um, uh, my sheriff here in St. Joseph County is, is a Democrat. Um, Jerry Gooden yep. is uh, the sheriff in uh, Scott County, and he's been back-to-back -back Indiana Sheriff of the Year. And so, you know, these are Democrats who, um, you know, are obviously law enforcement professionals, but are also proud Democrats. And and they have won. They figured out ways to win. And it's community focused and it's conversation focused and it's focused on trust. Absolutely. And I'm going to I'm going to touch on something that's always very sensitive. And that's um, the race issue, um, because mm -hmm. I know that, like, uh, I, I've heard it over and over again that some of our white brothers and sisters are feeling under attack. I need them to stop. But anyway, <laughs> they are feeling some kind of way. But I like to remind um, yeah. my white brothers and sisters, I know y'all sometimes think that people of color are taking over, but we're only, black folks are only 9% of the whole state. We're not, okay? And 
I really need y'all. I need my white cis hetero male Democrat because I need y'all to go in places that I can't go and have those conversations. You can have the uh, uh, the same conversation, but because you speak a different language, and I know y'all don't think we do, but we really do, you can be that Democrat in a community that doesn't see a lot of difference and still convey our democratic message. Whereas if I walk into the room, it's going to shut down. And that's just human nature. We would love for us to all be kumbaya and it up and we all get along and blah, 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 blah. We don't even do that in our own party. But I'm just saying, if you already know what you're working with, then you could go and like have those real conversations. That's what I'm talking about. You cannot be afraid to talk to your community and talk about the significance. We have our caucuses in our party. Mm-hmm. And and these caucuses are a way to make sure that every voice is heard. But I need you, sir, to just explain the significance of everybody in this big tent. Yeah. It's 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 hugely important. I'd say it's kind of the the heart of our party is that we are a big tent party. Um and and everybody is welcome um, and everybody uh, belongs. And so, um, you know, it's, I think it's, it's helpful for me to paint the picture on the other side. Um, the Republican Party, their state central committee, so the governing committee of the, of the state, it's just people from each congressional district. So um, it, there's nine congressional districts in Indiana. Um, so there's a chair and then a vice chair. So there's 18 people on their committee in addition to their to their officers. Our committee is a lot bigger, mm-hmm. <laughs> probably twice as big. Um, and, and, and we have uh, caucuses that we've built up over the years um, to represent um, large segments of Hoosiers. And so um, just to, to rattle some of them off, we have the um, we have IDAC. African American Caucus, we have Latino Caucus, we have IYD, so Indiana Young Democrats, we have Labor Caucus for organized labor uh, and working uh, Hoosiers, we have Stonewall uh, for LGBTQ (laughs) plus Hoosiers, Um, and then and then um, a couple things that I'm really proud of actually um, being chair is we've added to. Uh, caucuses to our um, two voting caucuses to our body. So in the last sort of year and a half, we've added the College Democrats of Indiana um, to our state central committee. College voters are really important. Um, college students in general, mm-hmm. we want them to stay in Indiana. <laughs> yes, um, and and help our help our uh, help our state. Uh, and then the last one that just was passed in December of last year is the Women's Caucus. And so um, we did that in December at our end of year meeting. Um, the women's um, caucus had been in council uh, status for for a number, uh, well, for yeah, about a year, year and a half, um, but have always been uh, involved in the party. And so excited that that all of those folks are represented on our state central committee. And I will say, because we did this just today, but this month is um, we've left we've left Black History Month, and now we're in Women's History Month. And so you know, Myla Eldridge, who's um, our wonderful vice chair and the chair of Marion County. Uh, we'll be commemorating Women's History Month and talking about our Women's Caucus uh, probably tomorrow um, with some uh, some press releases and things like that. Uh, that's that's good stuff because it's. A, I just need everyone to understand there's a place for everybody in yeah. this big tent, and and it's so yeah. important that we recognize that. You know, I I I, I watch what they do on the other side, and. Um, there's a sister over there. I'm not going to name drop her because I don't want to give her no extra. But she posted a tweet from somebody on her party that said some pretty, you know, not so American things about black folks. And she mm-hmm. was like, is, this is a black chick. She a black Republican. And she was like, well, this is not American. This isn't very American of you. And I'm like, but these yo people, you sitting around working hard every day to get them elected. But now you want to be upset? I mean, this is what they do. And we are, listen, we're not perfect. The party is not perfect, but we know that there's a space for you. We're not going to tokenize you, right? Because I'm sorry, the Republican DEI is some token mess because how many of them are elected? How many of them are in leadership positions? Then come talk to me about your diversity, equity, and inclusion. So, okay, so I'm a new candidate 
Mr. Chairman. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I've, I've gone online and I've, I've seen some trainings. Can, can you help me get some trainings, Mr. Chairman? <laughs> yes, very much so. Um, so if you are a candidate and you're listening, um, we definitely reach out to the party on our website. Um, there should be a link that goes to our events. Uh, Mobilize is a great resource just in general to see about events and trainings. We just had a huge training in sa- on Saturday in Greenwood, uh, just south of Indianapolis, um, that was sponsored by the National Democratic Training Committee. Um, that's a really fabulous organization. Um, if people want to want to check them out online, they partner with us on a number of things, all free have to sign up, but there's all these different modules, all these different tracks that you can take if you're a candidate, if you're working on a campaign, if you're a precinct committee person, if you're just a passionate volunteer, activist in your community, uh, you wanna be involved in your local party in some way. There's all these different ways that you can you can take advantage of those trainings. Um, some other resources that are out there, um, I just had a conversation this week with Run For Something. Mm. Um, and that is a group that is focused on younger uh, candidates, maybe first time candidates or second time candidates under the age of 40. Um, and uh, also they, they do put a premium on, uh, on diverse candidates uh, women candidates. Uh, they're fantastic. They have really great training uh, modules as well. Um, and then with the party, you know, we are going to go um, to all uh, nine congressional districts uh, multiple times um, this year um, to talk with folks. And we're going to tailor those trainings based on what those district chairs want, what those county chairs want, what they need. And so for some folks, it'll be raising money, uh, shout out Act Blue. It'll be um, you know <laughs> building a cam- building a campaign plan, building a field plan, uh, voter outreach, social media, uh, data and tracking, using the van, using Vote Builder. That's one of the biggest resources that the party uh, can provide and and update for for campaigns. So voter lists, who's registered. We lowered the cost of van. Um, so all across the state candidates that are running for local office, van is going to be significantly cheaper uh, for for candidates because I think that just more people doing engagement, more people doing politics equals more data, better data, better party. Absolutely. (laughs) So we want more people to use those resources. Um, So, so the, the training is sort of like, we're going to be on the road. I, I think, you know, Drew Anderson and the crew, um, during my first year plus as chair, we did 160 media events, getting out of COVID, 70 counties all around the state to talk with folks, introduce our statewides, talk about democratic policies. This is the year where I think we have the two tracks. One is we're training, we're coming to your community to talk with you, um, to help build up your party, build up your skill set. And then number two, we're focusing on those municipal races. We're focusing on cities and towns across Indiana. I love that. And uh, I obviously need to sit down and talk to you and find out how I, as the Act Blue rep, can get on your schedule. Absolutely. Act Blue is amazing. It's easy to use. Yes, yes. But, the, but we have some amazing tools, but this is not for that. I got to keep them separate. And and by the oh, and usually I have to do like a disclaimer when I'm interviewing candidates, like, you know, I'm not endorsing, you know, because everybody's on the platform. But I can talk to you and be just like 100 with you because ain't but one party. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Okay. And so what, what ev- uh, I know that you have a, a schedule of things coming up, just so that we make sure that we get that in there. Um, talk about some things that are coming up uh, relatively soon, because I know candidates are like, like I said, we're in the midpoint between now and uh, the primary. Um, talk about yep. where you're going to be. So just looking ahead here. Um, so we will have a, a fourth district training. So the fourth congressional district really stretches from sort of Boone County um, up kind of north. And so um, the center, sort of the center part of that district is really Tippecanoe County, so West Lafayette. So we're gonna have a fourth district training on March 18th, which is the day after uh, St. Patrick's Day uh, for those who celebrate. Right. (laughs) Um, The next weekend, uh, tentatively, we have um, March 25th, which is the third district training. Um, the chair uh, in the third district, Christine Bohm. I'll be um, there for that one. We're, we're putting that together. So that's the 25th. Yep. And then um, I got a few other things. I mean, I'll be down in Madison County for their dinner. 
Fort Wayne next week for their dinner. Um, so we're cruising around the state, but those are the those are the next two trainings that we have this month, Dana. I love it. Okay, so now I'm gonna turn the tables a little bit because you know people like to know who's leading them. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> we're gonna do we're gonna do like a little fireside chat for just a second because oh, you, you hit right. some hit some stuff. Okay, so you've got you've had uh, uh, the the 2022 election under your belt. Um, you know, 2021 was kind of a rebuilding year and it was just to kind of get your feet wet, you know, all that good stuff. But 2022, you had one your belt. What are, what are the biggest surprises, um, that you found out being the chair of the party? Hmm. Oh, that's a good question. Hmm. Biggest surprises. Let's see. Let's see. I think, um, I think two things, they're kind of, um, they are kind of connected in a weird way. I mean, number one is 2022. I mean, obviously that I think a number of us wish the results were better. Um, sure. I think that we, we, we sort of held the line and what we, what we had, um, Frank Burban winning was really big, Huge. um, you know, uh, picking up a seat in the state house with a little bit more room to grow next cycle is also, I think, to be celebrated. I don't think people realize that, um, we're one of the, one of the few States in the Midwest that, that, I mean, it was one seat, but we'll take the one seat, right. right. That's important symbolically. Um, a lot of other places lost state house seats, um, just because they became more, more, more red, more gerrymandered. Um, and we certainly have that, that challenge here. Um, so I think the thing that I realized really just sort of starkly going through 2022 is just, um, you know, the deck is stacked against us, um, and it's really unfair. So we just sort of, that is what it is. And we have to, um, kind of change the game. We have to do everything just better mm -hmm. <laughs> than the other side. And I think that going through an election, I mean, I've been through elections. This is, I'm probably in my 15th year now doing right. Indiana politics on and off. Um, but gerrymandering, money, uh, straight ticket voting, access to the ballot, um, and turnout. I mean, those things were just kind of like ugh, in my face. And and to whatever whatever we can control, we have to change those uh, dynamics um, in Indiana uh, to elect folks statewide, to elect um, to break that supermajority, to elect more local leaders. And I think we can do it. Yeah, um, yeah. If and I think the positive, you know, so that's a little bit more like this is a big hill we got to climb together. But I think the thing that I I've seen as chair and that I've, I've felt and I've experienced Dana is that um, Hoosier Democrats are really resilient mm -hmm. and Hoosier Democrats are really strong. And that I actually, when I travel around um, and go to meetings where other chairs come together and I talk about our party and what we're working on, um, you know, every, every party's different, you know, some parties are huge and, you know, big States and all this stuff and they have all the elected officials. Um, but we're tough and, and we, I think are in for a fight and we're in for a fight for a long time and, uh, we're resilient. And, um, I really, really value that. I also think related to that, uh, and you see it when you travel around the state, Dana. Um, and I think related to that is there's more people that are, um, getting involved mm -hmm. and building a, a bigger coalition, I think, um, in our, in our party and in the progressive ecosystem. And so, you know, there's, there's C3 and C4 organizations that are, that are popping up. Um, there's groups that have been doing work for, for, for a number of cycles, a number of years. Um, there's more money kind of flowing into the system. You know, we got emerging leaders and Hoosier women forward, um, you know, there's, there's groups that are, that are just growing and because they've been consistent in what they've been working on. Um, and that gives me a lot of excitement because I do feel like we're at this moment where, you know, have the Republicans, are they just starting to get, is it just too much? It, it, like it when, is. When is the, when is, when is the, you know, the, the top or the toy just going to sort of like plop, plop over, over. Right. Um, and I think that we're, we're building towards that moment. 
I, I agree. And, you know, you mentioned emerging leaders and who's your forward. Uh, I know the leadership over at Stonewall. We're, we're, we're eyeing. Yeah. We're eyeing Still something. Well, we're eyeing something very <laughs> similar because even in the LGBTQ plus community, um, yes, we could do the women's training and yes, we could do the young people's training, but there's there's something special about, you know, um, um, the LGBTQ plus community because we can be accepted in all communities and we can be shunned in all communities. And so yeah. I think uh, that that we're the leadership, the young leadership, I might add, you know, Katie yeah. Doyle and Keith Potts, young leadership, um, they're like, they're looking at maybe why can't we do like a little thing, you know, to encourage more gay folks to become rainbow warriors. I love it. Awesome. So, so those are great surprises. Um, and what, what do you think was the best, like stepping stone for you to build on? Like you had your surprises, but what was that thing that was like, this is how I can Mm. build. The best stepping stone. Hmm. You mean that helped me kind of build the party yeah, up a little bit more? Yeah, and, and it has you, like, like literally, when I ran for office, I'll give you an example. I ran for office, yeah. and, you know, I saw a lot of things that I felt like the party could have done, but they did it. So instead of me complaining about it, I'm just going to do it myself. So that's <laughs> that's where Turn Left came from. Turn yeah. left was a thing of I want to highlight these candidates. It doesn't cost anything. You know, we can get some listeners and people can hear their story. And what if they win? Then when they win and give an interview, it won't be their first interview. Right. Because they will have already done a live interview on turn left. And that literally has morphed into Black Pearl Studios and creating content. And literally because I wanted more exposure and I thought maybe the party could help. I created a thing. Yeah. And now I use that thing to elevate other voices. So that's like a stepping stone cool. for me. Yeah, that's cool. I, yeah, I think you mentioned Katie and and Keith and and some other folks that are getting involved in our party. And you look at our ticket, our amazing ticket that we had last fall. Um, I, I think how I would answer it, Dana, is I'm almost I do sort of I just turned forty like oh, uh, ain't ago. that cute? Yeah. So I. Don't, <laughs> I haven't been a young Democrat for a while, but now I'm, I'm definitely not. So, um, yeah, I was they always said the young I could campaign. be one forever. I don't know I what your problem is. Campaign guy, and now I'm like, you know, now they, I'm the older guy. <laughs> but they told me Ariel told me just last week when I was in Fort Wayne that I can be a young Dem forever. So I don't know what there your you problem is, and I got 12 years on you, bro. <laughs> she hasn't told me that yet. I need to go ask her. Um, but uh, I'd say for me, it's it's really like. Um, we're actually on St. Patrick's Day. They're going to unveil a bust of Joe Kernan at the State House, um, which is really cool. Yeah. And you know, he's somebody that who was our last Democratic governor, obviously, um, but he was also my hometown mayor when I was a kid, when I was a little kid. And so um, he went on to be then lieutenant governor and then governor. Um, and so I sort of feel like in this position um, that I've sort of been between. Uh, like generations in a way that like I, I, I knew Joe Kernan like personally. Um, and, and I, I've heard all these stories about, you know, and the governor's office and running those races and Evan by and all that. Um, but then I'm also, um, you know, younger and have worked in campaigns in Indiana the last few years, few cycles. And so I've been able to see the, the next generation, the younger folks come up. Um, and just become more involved. And so that's running for office, that's working on campaigns, that's working at the party, um, that's working um, for your local county party, that's running for precinct committee. All these people are getting involved in different ways. And that to me, at the at the end of the day, if I've had a really tough day, that's I think what keeps, what keeps me going is that those are the folks um, who are just gonna keep Indiana moving forward. Um, and they will be elected to offices. They will have, um, you know, the power to change people's lives for the better. Um, and and so that's, I think the. It's not really a stepping stone, but it's sort of like I, a. I like it. It's, it's sort a, of like a, I'm a bridge, or I feel like I'm in the middle. Yeah, uh, no, no, no. That's like the perfect way to to end the show because our really hour exciting. is up yeah. already. Because yeah. I know the, you know, others. We got some. 
old Dems that have been, you know, working in their local party for decades, right? Yeah. Since the sixties. And I can talk with them. And then my next conversation can be, um, somebody who wants to be an intern for the party for the yeah. summer, you know, it's, that's the, that's the beauty of our party and how we're building it up in Indiana. So. I love it. And that is such a, a great way to, to close out our show. Cause we're, we're already an hour. Like I said, I knew, you know, you and I, we could chop it up and I really, <laughs> um, I enjoy like kicking it in and I enjoy being your call and response girl. Let me know when you give oh. it a speech. I'm there for you. Know. you. <laughs> You know I need it. I need it. <laughs> no, you don't. You are just fine. Mr. Chairman, the Indiana Democratic Party Chair, Mike Schmuel, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to talk to our listeners here on Turn Left. Guys, I've included some links um, up the, of some of the things that he mentioned in the chat. Feel free to grab those as, as you want and review them. But just remember, uh, after the end of the show today, it, the live feed comes down, and then I direct you back to the YouTube. And then you can always catch it on Spotify. Um, and to all my candidates, I didn't get to talk about it because I messed up my screens. But uh, listen, content creation doesn't have to cost you an arm and a leg. Right. Holla at your girl. I can create a 30 second commercial to help you get your message out and I can help you boost it. You don't need to spend I, I, if you want some with some with some uh, uh, drones and flyovers. Yeah, go spend the big bucks. But if you want to stand and tell the people and put a nice video together explaining what you're trying to do and how you're trying to do it. Holla at your girl. I'll show you some samples that I've done so I can help you get that content out because social media is the way to go. You're not running. You're not running $100,000 ads on Channel 6 here in Indianapolis. You're going to be running on social media, and you need some content to complement your message. So make sure that you reach out to Indiana's own Dana Black. Scan that barcode or the QR code so you can get at me. And if you're hosting an event and you need uh, PA equipment, microphones, lighting, things of that nature, holla at your girl. Black Pearl Studios is a mobile studio. I can live stream your event. I can make all of these things happen for you. Yes, there's a fee because, I mean, gas, come on now. Gas ain't cheap. I, but I will go anywhere, anytime to support your event. Just holler at your girl, scan the QR code. All right. Indiana's own Dana Black. I love, love, love talking about who we are as Democrats and how we can improve Indiana through policies, through good policies. You heard it from the man's mouth. He will get you some training and show you where to get the training. It, trust me, if the orange menace can be the president of the United States, you can run for school board. You can do it. All right, I will holler at y'all next week. Peace. Turn Left is the property of Black Pearl IT Solutions. Executive producer, Indiana's own Dana Black. Music by www.binsound.com.